welcome to the latest episode of the Championship Roundtable. I'm your host, Jake Jackman, and you can reach us at the show by emailing us, championshiproundtable at gmail.com. Hello, my name is Louis Shackshaft. You can catch me on Twitter. My handle is just my name, at Louis Shackshaft. I represent Sheffield Wednesday on the podcast, as I do at uh, Shoot Football, and I'm also big on Sheffield Wednesday stats. Hi, yeah, I'm Kevin. I'm editor of uh, Leeds United Mad, Twitter handle Leeds United underscore Mad, uh, regular uh, presenter on uh, Made in Leeds TV and Radio Yorkshire. Uh, everything Leeds United, just contact me with any details and I'll be glad to help. Thanks so much for joining us today, guys. We'll start making a round so each of us have a few minutes to discuss what's been going on at our clubs recently. Um, we haven't had a game this week, but we did have a game last weekend so we'll start there we'll start with you Louis uh how are things at Sheffield Wednesday at the moment things seem to be you know slightly off the rails but you're still in the playoffs and still one of the favorites to get into that top six how are your general thoughts about Wednesday well I've got to go like you say we had a game for what seems like an absolute age ago um so it was a week last Friday when we played Reading um I was there that day and overall it was a disappointing game especially from our perspective they scored early on um and you know, I, I don't think we were at the races that day. And you could see Reading were quite good going forward. Uh, ultimately, you know, at, at, the, at the final whistle, we, we'd lost 2-0. Um, our confidence seemed relatively low. Um, I know it's not an excuse, but the only thing in our favour at the minute is we, we did have uh, five of our better or best players out uh, for that game. And, and they're all hoping to return uh, pretty shortly. So we've got, obviously, um, Ross Wallace, Forestieri, uh, Gary Hooper, Sam Hutchinson and Kieran Lee may even uh, make a return before the end of the season as well. Uh, but yeah, Reading, you know, a draw would have probably have been fair, but they, they took the chances. They scored last minute as well, just before the final whistle we, as our keeper went up for a corner and there was no one in goal. Um, I've got to just make a special mention to their keeper, Al Habzi, also. Um, that game, we I think we had 21 shots, 11 of those on target, and he made about three or four world-class saves. Um, so because of that, obviously, we've not managed to score and, and, and Reading won. But like I say, that, that seems like a long, long time ago now. Uh, so most recently, over the last week or so, we have had a bit of what you could call exciting news. Our new kit's been unveiled for our 150th year anniversary for next season. Um, it's a third kit. And uh, what was good from the club was they actually asked a fan to design this kit. So the Wednesday fan called Carl Nuttall has designed this. And I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's, it's very nice, actually. It's, no. a white, it's, it's a white and gold kit. Um, so it's basically white top, obviously, every, everything in the right places, the badges, etc. with like a uh, gold shorts and gold and white socks. So you can take a look at that under, obviously, the Wednesday Twitter handle. Um, and then with the international break, the, the only main thing that's come of that, we had a few players play for Scotland, which was uh, Bannon, Rhodes, etc. And then and then Nuiu actually got called up for Kosovo and scored on his international uh, first international appearance. So he's got one goal in one for Kosovo. Uh, but other than that, like you say, with the international break, not too much has been going on. I just hope, hope when we play Barnsley next, you know, we're going to get a victory and start getting some points on board because, yeah, we, like you said, Jake, we, we have been struggling of late. Yeah, I'll just have a look at your fixtures over the next month. Uh, April is, is a massive month in the Championship. You know, there's seven games. Uh, everyone sort of is getting into that running stage, just playoff places to be won, relegation places and promotion places. Um, I'm just sort of sort of looking at your matches, and it seems like you've got a relatively easy April outside of the game against Newcastle. You know, they're, they're teams that aren't really competing for much. They're either sort of safe in mid-table or, you know, not doing much in the bottom of the, the table like Rotherham. Do you, do you think that's a favourable thing for Wednesday? Do you think that's, that's going to really help you secure your playoff spot? You'd say so on paper, to be honest, Jake. But on the other hand, I'm going to have to disagree with you because, like you say, we've got Newcastle. That's going to be very hard, even though we're at home. And I'm always quite confident when Wednesday play at home. But like you say, in April, I think we've obviously got Barnsley next and we've got Rotherham. And like I said, on paper, yet yeah, Wednesday should be winning them games or, or at least picking you know four points from those games. 
But I can certainly guarantee it, when we play Barnsley and Rotherham, they are going to up the game. And if it's the last thing that Rotherham do before they get relegated is beat us, that's that's what they're going to try and do. Um, and it's it's same with Barnsley. I've, I've spoke to a few Barnsley fans recently and, and they're mid-table with nothing to play for. They're not going down. They're not going to get in playoffs. And again, the last thing that they'll be wanting to do is by the end of the season is just do do one over on Sheffield Wednesday also. So, Although, like you say, we might have a decent running with the next four or five games, it's just going to be as tough as ever. And, and like you say, people are fighting for their lives and, 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 and players are still playing for contracts also. So, you know, you, you just never know in football. So, like I say, I believe it's just going to be as, as difficult as ever. But with, you know, a bit on the positive side, we, we have got a lot of decent players on the return. And, you know, going forward, we, we've just got to start picking up more points than we have done if we're going to guarantee a playoff position. Moving on to Leeds now and you, Kevin. Uh, a great victory last time out against Brighton uh, to secure your own playoff spot. And, and I've even heard some talk about an automatic promotion place come the end of the season. What are your sort of views on that? And are you positive that Leeds are going to push on now towards the end of the season? Yeah, well, um if 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 your season sort of reflected on your last game, then obviously we're doing really well because after beating Brighton, top two team, it was a real heavyweight contest. I thought uh, nothing much in it for the first sort of half hour or so. A lot of talk about Janssen not uh, playing before the game. He was on the bench, one of our best players. He made the EFL Championship um, Team of the Year as well, or Team of the Season. So there was a bit... Uh, a few sort of biting fingernails before the game started because Liam Cooper, although he is a good player, he's not in the same class as Janssen. But uh, having said that, he had a decent game, just one little hiccup where he nearly scored an, an own goal. But Rob Green, who has been in sort of fantastic form for us since the turn of the year, pulled off a great save. So everything sort of went our way that that particular game. And of course, Chris Wood, one of the best strikers in the league, uh, also made the uh, championship team of the year. Uh, he took his two goals really well. Uh, that header was awesome against a, a team that hardly conceded many goals this season. Um, and obviously the penalty, he always knew he was going to score the penalty. He's, he's got such confidence at the moment. So it was a yeah, it, it was a heavyweight performance, I thought, against a, a top two team. And that augurs well for a, um, the, a potential playoff game. Because I think the playoff games are going to be very similar to the Brighton game. It's going to be sort of uh, who sort of blinks first sort of thing. And uh, it's going to be really tight. And uh, hopefully we'll prove that we can handle these high-pressure games. Uh, as for automatic, yeah, there's still obviously a mathematical chance of us doing that. And if anybody can win the last games, last eight games of the season, it's the Gary Monk team, I think. But five of those games are away from home. There's only three home games left. While, while I expect us to win our remaining three home games, it's going to be a bit difficult on the road uh, to pull off five victories, I think. So even though it, it sounds great that we could maybe battle for the top two spots, I think it's going to be very uh, very uh, unlikely with Brighton and um, Newcastle, especially with their sort of goal differences as well, which are miles better than anybody else this season. But it's fantastic to be in this position because I think he's overachieving, particularly with the squad that we have this season, Gary Monk. I think he's worked miracles without sort of a massive budget. He's only eight months into the um, uh, his regime as the coach and with one of the hardest sort of owners to work for over the last couple of years. I think it's one of the hardest jobs outside the uh, top flight, really. Uh, it's hard to keep the fans happy. It's hard to keep the owner happy. But thankfully, our, our own has been fairly quiet for most of the season. He's just let him get on with his job, and he's done a magnificent job. Whether we get promoted or not this season, I think Gary Monk's going to be a wanted man over the summer period, as will be his coaches as well, James Beattie, who's done a fantastic job, I think, for pushing Chris Wood on to be the striker that he is. And obviously, Pep Clotet is one of the best coaches, uh, assistant coaches in the league as well. So those three have worked wonders with the, uh, the squad they've got. Uh, it's great not battling for the 13th or 15th position like we usually do at this time of year. It's great to be in this position. If you'd have said at the start of the season that you know we'd be in the playoffs, I think most Leeds fans would have taken that. And to be in such a good position now, going into the last eight games, it's everything's in our hands now. It's up to us what how we finish the season. It'd be nice to finish it in a high position. 
Um, like I said, automatic might be just too much now, but uh, just to get into playoffs is a, is a great achievement and hopefully we can push on and uh, have a great uh, end of season. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Yeah, I just want to ask you quickly about Chris Wood, because he seems to score every week. And when I've watched him, I've been quite impressed. Do you think that yeah. he has the ability to make the step up if you were promoted? I think he has now. You've got to realise he's still, he's still a relatively young uh, He's only about 24, 25. He's still relatively young as strikers go. Uh, I think he will make the step up now. Yeah, hopefully he will be with us. Um, but he has, he has sort of uh, moved on leaps and bounds from last season. Like I said, a lot of it's to do with James Beattie, who was a, a top striker in his day as well. I think he sort of uh, made him into a, a, the, the striker that he is. I think he scored against 18 different clubs this season, which is some sort of record, really. He's nearly scored against every every side he's played against this season, apart from QPR so far. Obviously, we've still got uh, eight teams to go, so he, he might even achieve that uh, record yet of scoring against nearly every club in the, in the league. So that'd be a magnificent achievement. It's, it's only three away uh, from a personal milestone of 30 goals, including, obviously, cup games. But he's on 24 league, game, uh, league goals, which is fantastic. And there's no... Um, there's no reason at all, really, why he shouldn't finish the season as uh, the top scorer in the league. But like you say, we do rely on him a lot for the goals. Probably too, probably too much, really, because he's only he's, he's sort of our main striker. If anything did happen to him, then obviously we would be stuck up front. So we've just got to hope that he's not injured while he's on international duty with New Zealand. He did score for New Zealand whilst he was on duty for them last couple of days as well. So he's keeping his form up going. Thankfully, he seems to come through the game okay. Um, so he'll come back fighting fit for what will be a massive game against Reading on the 1st of April. Yeah, I, I think he's probably going to finish top goal scoring now. I think Gale, the, the, the problem he that there are other players in the Newcastle squad that can come in and score goals. He hasn't really been playing as much, but I mean, it would be a huge achievement for him. And hopefully he does do that for you guys anyway, and then carry that through yeah. into the playoffs. Yeah, but uh, moving on to Newcastle now, we've had three games without a win, which is slightly disappointing. Last time out, it was uh, at Birmingham. I think we're one of the few teams not to not to beat Giovanni Zola's uh, <laughs> Birmingham. We've played them three times now, twice in the FA Cup and drawn twice. So, I mean, it's it's a little bit disappointing. But on on I've seen I've seen the game back since, and we were the the better team. We had a lot of chances. We had a, a goal disallowed that maybe shouldn't have been. So it was nothing to worry about. We we were fine. We 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 did everything we could have done, and, and on most days we'd have come out with three points. So it's nothing to get too concerned about. Um, the, the the international break sort of came at a good time. We're seven points clear. We've got a superior goal difference. We've got time to get players back to full fitness. I think Isaac Hayden, uh, Dwight Gale. Uh, Daryl Murphy will all be back better, uh, sort of more fit when we come back at the weekend, which is a positive because they're all important players for us. Um, this week, the, the last couple of weeks have sort of just been about the, the the local media have been talking a lot about the Premier League and what needs to be done for us if we did get there. Um, 
I think they're getting a little bit too ahead of themselves. I'm, I'm not thinking about that yet. Um, they had an interview with Benitez that they posted up, which was was quite quite interesting. He sort of had the similar similar message to say. He said, "I'm not thinking about next season yet. I'm just thinking about the the final seven games of the season and trying to get Newcastle, you know, promoted, which, which has to be our main aim. And it's good that he's not next season yet. Although I'm sure behind closed doors he is. It's it, you know we can't get complacent that there we do have a good position with we're, we're seven points clear we've got probably the best squad in the league but things can mess up you know we've seen it before teams have thrown leads away and once that sort of losing I guess that momentum comes in negatively it can have an awful effect over the, these last few matches I, if we were to fall out of the automatic places and go into the playoffs I wouldn't be at all confident of going up through them so I don't think we will have to, but I, you know it's it's important that we don't get too ahead of ourselves before that happens. Um, the the last weekend of the uh, championship se- season that we had w- was good for us, although we only drew Brighton, lost to Leeds, as Kevin was just talking about, and Huddersfield also lost. And a four 0 loss away to a team like Bristol City is going to you know affect them awfully. So I think it's going to be difficult for them to bounce back. I think that was the game they had to win if they were going to catch either Newcastle or Brighton, and they didn't manage to do that. So. That was a huge positive. Um, yeah, there's not been a, a lot going on at Newcastle. It's sort of just all focused on that promotion, and I'm sure we will get it hopefully sooner rather than later because I'm not sure how much I can put up with the stress of worrying about falling out of the, <laughs> the automatic places. But I think we should be okay. Uh, Kevin touched on the uh, EFL Championship team of the season, which we're going to come on to a little bit later. But we had, I think we had two players in that, Gail and Shelby, both well-deserved um, so it's good to see them get a bit of recognition as well, because although it's been more of a team performance of why we're top of the table, those two have been the sort of the standout players. So it's good to see them getting the, the recognition that they deserve. But just moving into the topics for today now, uh, we're going to start with the playoffs because, you know, both your teams are currently in those top six places, uh, the, the four places that are going to go on to contest the playoffs. So I just want to ask you, what, what are your thoughts on, on the race for the playoffs at the moment? What teams do you expect to make the top six? And is there anybody that you think may be dropping out? Uh, we'll start with you, Louis, on this one. <laughs> oh, thanks for that. Uh, to, to, talking of drop, talking dropping out, I'm not going to say that we're going to do so, but um, obviously you look at that top six. I think Newcastle and Brighton are going to guarantee top two, although we know they've still got to be careful uh, with Huddersfield just around the corner, keeping a watchful eye on them. Um for me, Huddersfield are, you know, Huddersfield and Leeds, especially are the form are the form teams at minute in, in you know in the, in the top six. Um, so I believe they're certainly going to finish third and fourth. Um, Reading, you know, they they keep picking up the points. Reading for me were one of the teams where I thought, you know, a couple of months ago they they were overperforming and overachieving, and and they were certainly going to drop off. And and you know what, they, they keep winning. And, and and I was I was impressed when I watched them at Hillsborough um, just you know ten days ago. Um, so they're going to be there also. And and then like I said, um, sixth position, it, it looks like it's going to be a fight between Sheffield Wednesday and Fulham. Um, and, it, and it's a bit of a scary thing to say because. Fulham are a very, very good attacking team um, and we've actually got them on the last game of the season. I certainly hope it doesn't come down to the last game of the season and we've managed to, you know, claw enough points by then to guarantee that sixth position. I think um, Norwich and Preston, they are five points behind us. I think they might be just off the boil slightly to be able to catch us. Um but yeah, it is, it is worrying times. I mean, the frustrating thing for Sheffield Wednesday is that I think by the end of the season, we probably do deserve to be there. And I'm still quite confident that we will do it. However, we're kind of relying on other teams um, around us beating, you know, th- th- those teams also. So, you know, I know like Re- uh, Leeds play Reading um, in the next fixture and, and just games like that, we're having to rely on like on draws and, and, and other teams losing. And we, and we had to rely on Wolves beating Fulham last time to stay in sixth spot. And for me, that's really frustrating because I know that deep down, it's, it's Sheffield Wednesday what need to go out, perform, get the results, pick up points, and then that will guarantee the the playoff spot and, and at the minute that's not happening relying on other teams is, is probably our worst case scenario um, so like I say I am still confident we can finish six and if we go on for you know a good run we, we could still potentially catch such as Reading for example 
Um, but, you know, it, it, I, I wouldn't like to put money on it at this stage. Fulham have really found some form, um, except for obviously the, the previous game that they played. And um, they've done very, very well to catch us. I think there were seven, seven points behind us only about a month ago. Um, so, yeah, it is going to be very, very tight. Yeah, but my my thoughts on the playoffs for the last few months have been that I I think that Reading will be the ones that drop out, and I, I'm still going to say that because uh, I haven't been that impressed when I have seen them. Uh, I went to watch Newcastle play them a few weeks ago, and although they retained the ball well at the back, they didn't really have much in attack, and, and it was kind of a little bit boring to watch. And I can see how they've got results. I, I just can't see them continuing to do so although it's getting so close to the end of the season that they might just stay in purely because there's not enough games for other teams to catch them but I'm just looking at their next four games they've got uh, Leeds, uh, Leeds at the weekend uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about later then after that they've got Blackburn, Norwich and Aston Villa now you know that looks like a pretty tricky run of games uh, given Leeds form in particular Blackburn has sort of picked up on Tony Mowbray and then Norwich still got an outside chance of the playoffs themselves and they might have a new manager at that stage so that'll be interesting and Villa are the form team in the league at the moment so if they these are the next four games that are going to decide Reading if they can grind out enough results out of this if they grind out say five or like six or seven points out of these then I think they'll be fine but they are four games that they could easily lose and if that happens then that's going to open it up for Fulham because I really, I think Fulham are probably the best team I've seen play Newcastle this season. Uh, before they beat a 3-1, it had been Sheffield Wednesday. I was really impressed with their game plan. And they came up to St. James Park and, and sort of nullified us and they got the goal and, and defended out. And that was a really good sort of tactical performance. But Fulham played Newcastle off the park and it could have been 5 or 6-1. They were that good. Uh, and looking at the table as well, they've got the, the they've lost the third fewest games in the league uh, behind only Brighton and Newcastle. They've scored the second most amount of goals in the league behind only Newcastle. So, I mean, they they're a massive threat, and and I I think they're I think they're going to finish above Sheffield Wednesday. So I think that Sheffield Wednesday are going to have to catch Reading to have any chance of getting into that top six. I'm sorry to say, Louis, I I, th- I think Fulham are going to have a pretty strong end to the season. And no, I, think I, 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 was, I was just going to say, I get your point when you say that. If, if, if like we say, we, we can't rely on other teams and we've got to do it for ourselves. And there's, there's eight games remaining. And, and for me, out of those eight games, you need to be averaging two points a game. So we need we need about 16 points from the, from the last eight games, I'd say. Um, but like you say, if we, we just need to keep climbing that table and, and you know, if we can catch Reading, then then so be it and, and Fulham can take their place. But yeah, we're, 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 it's just a waiting game. We'll have to see. Uh, that sixth position is not the position to be at this stage of the season and you need to get you need to take over Reading as quickly as possible. And I think you've got a good chance of doing so. Looking at your next five four games compared to their next four games, I think you've got a good chance of doing so as long as you don't sort of drop any silly points but Kevin what are your sort of views on on the the playoff situation do you sort of agreement with with me that Fulham could get into it well Fulham like you said they're probably the best team I've seen this season as well because they played us off the park at Ellen Road but we managed to get a last minute equaliser once again we took an early lead at their place and it looked like we were going to win but they scored in injury time so they sort of got their own back on us if you like but footballing wise yeah they, they played some good football but having said that you would have expected them to maybe beating Wolves fairly comfortably the other week and they didn't. So the home form's a bit dodgy. Away from home, they seem to be relaxed and sort of enjoy the football and that's where they seem to be taking the points at the moment. But I think they're a massive danger. I think Huddersfield, yeah, it'd be good to see how they react now to that 4-0 defeat at Bristol City because not only did they lose, but they lost their key man, really, uh, in the defender, Hogg. He got carried off um, in the first half. And he's been a massive player for them this season. So it'd be interesting to see how they react to that now. And uh, he's, not, he's obviously out for the rest of the season. It'd be, good to, it'd be good to see who comes in for him and does a job for them now because they do rely on his... Um, sort of captain ability, if you like, at the back. He does sort of uh, make them tick a lot and he's going to be a difficult player to sort of replace. So, um, having said that, they did get thrashed by Fulham early in the season, 5-0 as well, and they came back really well from that defeat. So, knowing Wagner, uh, he probably will get them back uh, up and running again, but uh, they, they could be in danger of slipping a little bit if they don't sort of pick up a cu- couple of wins after that uh, defeat against Bristol City. So it'll be interesting to see how they react to that. Reading, yeah, the, the, the sort of the team that won't go away, if you like, really. They, I, mean, I said Fulham are one of the best teams I've seen this season. 
at Ellen Road. I think Reading are one of the worst because all they do really is uh, sort of retain the ball in the back four all the time and just pass it to each other. It's really boring football to watch. But having said that, Stamps obviously got them performing and they get picking up results. They've been in the top six for most part of the uh, season, really. Uh, so he's obviously doing something right. So they, they may not just sort of go away that easily. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how they perform against us now uh, on um, on next Saturday because uh, it will be a, a really another a big uh, a big game in the top six. Um, as for Fulham and Sheffield Wednesday, yeah, Fulham, Fulham are the danger team, but um, like I say, if they don't start picking up some farm at home, they, they might sort of be just outside. So. But um, it's going to be an interesting finish to the season, that's for sure. Maybe we'll go to that Sheffield Wednesday Fulham game, the last last game of the season. It's going to make it very interesting. But you don't want to be going into the playoffs, really, just scratching through and getting through into the playoffs. You want to have a bit of form uh, against you know, what will be a tough sort of uh, playoff game against whoever you, you play against. So you want to be going into, into the playoff situation with a bit, at least a bit of confidence and some sort of form. So you don't want to be scratching results. You want to be getting going in there flying, really. And hopefully, um, even though we've got five away games from the last eight, we, we have been, been, been performing quite well away from Ellen Road this season. So I'd, I expect us to get a, a few victories from those five games. So it'd be nice to go into May, really, on, on a bit of good form, whether we finish second or wherever we finish fourth. As long as we get going to the playoffs with, with some form and with, with a bit of confidence, I think that's the best you can hope for, really. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you've just said there. I, I think for Huddersfield, the, the concern I have about them is the same one I had for Brighton last season in that if they keep so close to, to the top two and, and they chase them down and they only miss out by a, a point or, you know, they go into the last couple of games with a chance of promotion, they miss out. That could be detrimental to their sort of hopes in the playoff because I think Louis would, would agree with me that Brighton were not the team they were for the entire last season when, when they played Sheffield Wednesday in the mm-hmm. playoffs last year uh, in both the home and the away leg. I know they had uh, quite a few injuries in the first leg, which which helped Wednesday. But, I mean, it, it's difficult to recover from that. So, although that's in the future, discussing who's going to win the playoffs, that, that's the concern I have about that. So, just before we move on, are we, are we going to say that the, the same four ret- retain their places or do we think that Fulham are going to get in? If you have to predict now. <laughs> um, I'll go with, obviously, yeah, Huddersfield, Leeds. You know what, Jake? You've swayed me. I'm going to say Sheffield Wednesday and Fulham, and let Reading drop out. Why not? Yeah, I think I think that's how how I see it going. But um, it's it's lots to play for. I don't think any of the other teams can get into it. Norwich or Preston. I think there's there's too many teams above them and too many points and too few games. I just think it's it's not possible. Fulham are the only team for me. And I think Reading will be the ones to drop out. Just because I've been saying it all season, I'm going to stick with it. But I think there's a chance they might just be able to cling on to it purely because there's not that many games. do have a quite nice cushion on Fulham. But just moving on to the Championship team of the season, I don't know if you've seen it. It got released this week. And, you know, it's kind of early to release the team of the year, but they do this every sort of season in in the Championship and in the Premier League as well. Um I'll just run you through the team now but before we discuss it. Um, in goal, we've got David Stockdale from Brighton. In defence, it's Tommy Smith, Lewis Dunk, Pontus Janssen and Scott Malone. In midfield, they've got Aaron Moy, Shelby, Anthony Knocker. And then up front, it's Glenn Murray, Chris Wood and Dwight Gale. What are your sort of views on that team? And do you think that's, that's the team that you'd have selected if you were picking a team at this stage? Uh, we'll start with you on this one, Kevin. Well... You got to consider: is, Have they picked the best best players in the team, or have they actually picked the team? Because I don't think that team would work myself um, if, if they played every week. I don't. I think there'd be too many similar sort of players in that team. I think Mui and uh, Shelby are two sort of similar sort of midfield players, really, and they might get in each other's way. So I don't think it always works that when they pick these teams. That, they couldn't, they couldn't physically play together as a team, but as a individuals, they do probably deserve to be in the team. I was maybe a bit surprised Tom Kearney hasn't been picked, because I think he's been a standout player most of the season, and he's a bit unlucky not to be there. As for Leeds United's representation, I think, yeah, to get two players in the end-of-season 
uh, team of the year is, is a great achievement and I'm really pleased that Janssen and Wood have made it. Uh, obviously, you can't be too greedy and say, you know, the players maybe should have got in there as well because to get two players in the team is fantastic and, yeah, uh, they fully deserve to be there. But uh, like I said before, whilst they might... It, my, on paper, it does look a good team. Is it? I don't think it's the sort of team that you could pick to play in in the league on on a weekly basis because I don't think it would work really having a team like that. I think it'd be the two, there's too many in, individuals that are very similar to each other. But yeah, I think it's a decent team. Um, maybe maybe like, like you said, Jake. Maybe it's a bit early early to pick a team like that. Maybe another couple of weeks, you you might pick a slightly different team. But uh, yeah, I mean, we can't argue with it because we. I think it's the first time in a long time since we've had a couple of players represented in the end of season team. So I'm quite pleased that those two guys have got uh, some representation. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I think, um, like you've just said, the, announcing the team of the year in March anyway and, and, and not in May is is ridiculous. Like, you know, what's wrong with waiting, you know, remaining eight games of the season and then obviously managing to uh, pick a team then. Uh, but there is, there is a couple in the team that I would disagree with, to be honest. I mean, firstly, it's difficult because when they pick this team, they've, they've picked a 4-3-3 formation also. So I'll considering... Would it not be better if they picked a first eleven and then added maybe you know five or seven substitutes as well? Because like you touched on, Jake, I think there is a few players what are unlucky to be in that squad. I mean, firstly, I, I wouldn't have had um, and take nothing away from him, but I wouldn't have had Glenn Murray in the team. Um, I would, if he was going to play a four-three-three, I would have put Tammy Abraham in there instead of Glenn Murray. Um, I think Abraham scored three more goals this season and he's had a He's had a huge impact because he's absolutely he's, he's come from nowhere and, and everyone's been so impressed with Abraham this season. Mm. I'd have definitely had him in the squad. Um, and then other players, I made a list of five players what have missed out um, who, I, who I also could have got in that squad. And that for me is Matt Ritchie, um, Jan Kermorgant, um, like you said, Kevin, Tom Kearney also. Uh, you've got Connor Hurian, who's got the most assists this season in the league with eleven. Um, and you can call me biased, but I think he's the best central uh, defensive central midfielder in the league, and that's Sam Hutchinson. Um, and that's and the reason I've picked Hutchinson is because obviously I think he's fantastic anyway. But he has got seven man of the match awards this season, and I think there's only knockout who's matched that. Um, but then regarding the goalkeeper, I know you can you know dis- discuss the goalkeeper all day long um, because you're only picking one. They could have. Like they've, they've gone for Stockdale, but there's also Darlow, Green, uh, Al Habsi, and Kieran Westwood. From my perspective, has, has has kept 12 clean sheets this season. So yeah, there's always going to be debates, and I'm not denying it's it is a good squad that they have picked. But maybe, like I said, could you include seven substitutes in there also? And and the formation for me is is a bit of an iffy one also. Picking a four-three-three, so. Uh, you know, it's a decent squad, but you know, we'll move on from that. Yeah, I'd agree with a lot of what you guys have just said there. Uh, it's too early to be picking this team. When I thought it was released, I think it was on Monday or Tuesday. I was sort of surprised that they're releasing it this early, but as it's the way in football, they they do these things so then they can have the award ceremonies before they go off for for, for summer break and things like that. I from one player that wasn't mentioned that I think could have got in this team is Tom Lawrence. I think he's been incredible for Ipswich, and it's maybe the fact that he's sort of Ipswich not doing much in the relegation battle or in, in the push for playoffs that he's sort of been ignored because he's he's got got them a lot of points on his own I think he's probably scored more or less most of their goals or at least been involved in most of their goals and he's a player that could potentially play in the Premier League so he's maybe unlucky not to have been considered uh, I think Kearney should have been in the team uh, and, and I think uh, if I was looking at Newcastle maybe one that was unlucky to miss out was Paul Dummett just because he's been so much improved and probably one of the best left backs in the league but it's you know it's it, we we can all make cases for people that could have been in this team. It is a good team, and it's good to see um, Dunk in particular in that team. I think he's been the best centre back. I think Moy has probably been the best midfielder over the course of the season, probably better than Shelby, uh, and Wood's been the best striker. So it's good to see those three in it. If you were to pick a player of the year now, because my player of the year had been Tom Kearney, but the fact he didn't even make this team makes me doubt he's even going to be in the running for that. So if you were to pick a player of the year at this point now, who would you guys pick? Um, I 
to be honest, I hate to say this, Kevin, but I'm going to have to hold my hands up and I'm going to have to say Chris Wood. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> you've just like this this last this last two months yeah. has really stepped up, and like you've said earlier on, he's he's practically scoring a goal every game now. And and if he's if he's scored against 18 teams and he's got potential to do it against more teams with eight games remaining, I've I've got all my hands up and say, you know what, <coughs> I wish I wish we had a player what had scored 24 league goals this season because. We're an absolute mile off any player scoring that. Um, so from that perspective, I've, I'm going to say Chris Wood. Yeah, I mean that's very magnanimous of you, really, to, to say Chris Wood. Uh, but yeah, he has been awesome this season. I, I I don't think I could look too far away from Chris Wood. But then again, I'm totally biased completely, really. But uh, um, You've got to say he's up there, but I think Matt Ritchie at Newcastle as well. He's been a fantastic uh, player for them this season. Uh, to say that he left the Premiership club to sort of move down to to the Championship, he takes a lot of confidence to do that. I think he's been up there as well as one of probably the best players of the season. So uh, even though I say I, I personally would say I would say Chris Wood, I think Matt Ritchie probably if I took me Leeds United blinkers off, I'd, I'd say he was probably up there as well as being one of the best players of the season. Yeah, I'd agree with you too. I think Chris Wood should, should probably be named Player of the Year, uh, Player of the Year at the end of the season. Uh, the same Matt Ritchie has the same problem as Tom Kearney that he's not even in the Team of the Year, so I can't see him winning it. <laughs> but from the two Newcastle players that are in it, I think Shelby is probably the most talented player in the in the league but I don't think he's had the best season in the league he sort of he got he got banned and then he's not been the same since that for for one reason or another so I don't think he'll win it and and with Gale I think Gale would would have easily walked away with this award had he not got injured he was on for a record-breaking season he still averages a goal I think once every 89 minutes or something ridiculous like that like he, he he's he would have broken his goal scoring records had he not got injured but he has been injured and he's not quite got back to it since so yeah for me it's Chris Wood over the course of the season I think he's been the best player but before we move on to match previews I'm going to ask you the same question, but for your own team for Player Watch this week, because we haven't had games this weekend. Um, I guess you're, we're going to have a similar answer from you, Kevin. So if you want to talk about sort of another player that is impressed by Leeds United, that is, that is OK. But we'll start with you on this one, Louis. Who has sort of been Sheffield Wednesday's player of the season so far? It's difficult to pick, to be honest, because the, the frustrating thing this season for Sheffield Wednesday, other than a couple of players, what I'm going to name, are our bigger or better players, or especially the players what stood out last season, haven't really stepped up to their game, what what, the, what their potential is. Um, so the two players what I've, I've, I've picked out, and I'm, I'm going to narrow it down to one, but uh, Forestieri and Hutchinson. Now Hutchinson for me is, is is consistent. Yes, I know he's rash and he's you know he's, he's prone to ascending off, but that's just his type of his type of play. Um, is is the only player really who does get stuck in. He, you know, he, he like I say, he's, he's, he picks up yellow cards and, and, and even injuries also. But um, he's got a couple of goals this season. He's got an assist. And like I mentioned previously, he's had seven Man of the Match awards in, in um, 31 games this season. And for me, he's, he's the man who's really stepped up this season and he's shown like a lot of drive and ambition. And you can really see he's got the passion and will to win. Um, and Forestieri, on the other hand, like... It's frustrating because I believe Forestieri's still got a lot to offer and he's one of the players who's probably not been at his full potential this season but he's the only player what's actually got in double figures for goals so he scored 11 goals this season uh, he's got five assists and five man of the match awards also so he has performed but overall based on that I am going to give my player of the season so far to Sam Hutchinson uh, although he has um, missed out a couple of games recently due to injury um, and I was just going to give a special mention also to Kieran Lee uh, because he's been out for a couple of months now, but he probably would have been another option if he if he hadn't got injured. Um, he played 23 games, and um, we we miss him massively. He's a box to box midfielder who chips in defensively and gets forward with assists and goals. and And he would probably be one of the players that I'd have picked also. Um, so we, you know, basically from a, from a Wednesday fans' perspective, we just we can't wait for him to for him to return. But yeah, my player of the season for me is, uh, I'm going to pick Sam Hutchinson. 
Yeah, the same question to you, Kevin. Who, who's been lead player of the season so far? I know we, we've discussed Chris Wood quite a lot, so if, <laughs> if there's any other names you want to touch on, that is completely fine. Well, it's it's between Chris Wood, really, and Pontus Janssen. They're the two most awesome performers this season. Obviously, Chris Wood's been a different animal this season, scoring goals, terrorising uh, uh, defenders. But that's down to James Beattie, I think, taking a lot of credit for it, transforming him into the striker that he is. Janssen, yeah, he transformed the, the season when he joined us. He sort of went, I think it was six games into the season when he sort of started playing regularly. Such an awesome defender. It does. It more or less does what it says on the tin. He keeps clean sheets. That's his mantra. Is, is, but not only that, his ability is rubbed off on on other players. So also big mentions to Rob Green, Luke Ayling, Kyle Bartley, Gitano Berardi. All the defenders have sort of upped their game since Janssen's come into the into the side because he does, he expects uh, players around him to be of his own ability, if you like, really. He expects them to to play like he does, and that, that's been massive for us this season. Obviously, he's, uh, he came on loan from Torino. Torino didn't really want to know him too much when, when the new coach came in. He's had a bad knee injury or a leg injury, and they, they didn't think really he'd, he'd perform again. So when he came to Leeds, we obviously took a bit of a chance on him, really, when he came. But he's been such a fantastic uh, inspiration to the team. He's obviously a Premiership player in the making, really. He should be playing in the Premier League. The way that he performs uh, during the game, he's just a step ahead of anybody else. So even though Chris Wood has been knocking in the goals, which is fantastic, it's his second sort of full season with Leeds. I think the biggest uh, inspiration for the side has been Janssen coming into the team and really uh, rubbing off his abilities on everybody else because everybody's sort of uh, sort of uh, pulled in his direction, if you like. So um, if, he, if he can keep fit to our, uh, the remaining eight games of the season, then obviously we've got a great chance of, uh, of achieving what we need to achieve this season. So even though Wood's been knocking in the goals and doing his job, I think Pontus Janssen has been the biggest inspiration and probably the best player uh, of the season in the lead shirt. So my, the award would go to him, but just just ahead of Chris Wood. Yeah, for, for Newcastle, there's, there's a few players as there is for any team. I, I think uh, my main considerations are that Shelby and Gale, although they're in the team of the season, haven't been playing for, for the whole season, I think. I, I think I'm going to gear away from those two for this discussion at least. I'm going to the, the two players I'd like to talk about are Kieran Clark and Cole Darlow for me. I, I think um, well, think about this. I hadn't even thought about Mar- Richie until you guys discussed him, but I think that's because he's sort of a seven out of ten player every week, and he, he's definitely in in contention. But he, he sometimes he just sort of gets <coughs> forgotten about. Uh, which is a little bit unfair on him. But uh, starting with Clark, I think when we signed him in the summer, I was a little bit underwhelmed. I thought he was more of a, a, a squad player. I thought he, was, he wasn't going to get into our first team. I thought it was a bit of a weird move from the club because whenever I'd seen him for Villa, he hadn't really impressed me. He, but Rafa's turned him into a really good centre-half. He's good on the ball. He doesn't make any mistakes. He, he's sort of dominates in the air. He scores a few goals from corners, which is always good you know, Good to have a defender that does that. And he's a real leader. He, he really does organise the back four. And he's helped Jamal LaSalle sort of adjust to his captaincy role. So he's had a massive part to play, both in, in sort of men, mentally and, and, you know, on the pitch as well. He's been a very good defender. So he deserves a lot of credit for, for making that move from Aston Villa and making a success of it. And I'm sure if we do go into the Premier League, he's going to be very good at that level and he's sort of going to repair the reputation that he earned for himself at Villa, which is always good to, to see a player, you know, make a move and better themselves from that. And Carl Darlow as well, he didn't start the season as number one. I think he started the season as our number four, which sort of shows you the strength of depth that Newcastle have in goal uh, and the journey that he's gone on in the championship. Because uh, to start the season, Tim Krull got loaned out and then Rob Elliott sort of carried his injury from last season, so he wasn't considered. Matt Sells came in from uh, Belgium, but he never really impressed. And it got to the point where Carl Darlow's performances in the Cups had really earned him that spot in the first team. And, and the moment he got the number one shirt, he, he's just not looked back since. I know there's been a couple of sort of errors that have been... You know, gone done the rounds on, on social media there was someone at Norwich where he sort of completely missed the ball when he went to kick it and it was a little bit embarrassing but he has a few errors in his game and that's something he's going to need to correct if he wants to push on in the Premier League but as a as a raw shot 
stopper. He's he's very very good. I don't think we have a better keeper at shot, uh, stopping shots. He he's very good at saving penalties. I think he's maybe saved three this season, or at least I can remember three. There might have been more. Uh, there was two against Nottingham Forest, which which was just incredible because that was his old club. So yeah, he's he's been very good. I'd, I'd probably give it to Clark just just because I, he's so he's surpassed my expectations so much that. I, I think he deserves it, but Darlow is another one that sort of deserves a mention, as well as Richie and, and Gail and Shelby. But before we wrap up the podcast today, I just want to quickly preview our matches next weekend. We'll start with you on this one, Louis. You've got a sort of a Yorkshire derby against Barnsley. I know that's going to be a really interesting fixture, especially after you took Sam Winnell off them during January. So how do you see this one going? Yeah, you've, you've summed it up there. It's going to be very difficult, obviously. The Sam Winnell saga there certainly going to get one over on us uh, that game it's like you mentioned it's a Yorkshire derby I, I don't know what to make of it because we, we've both really got poor form uh, we've only took four points from six games and they've only took two points from six games uh, one player that's standing out for them this season is Molly Watkins so we're going to have to keep a watchful eye on him who's got eight goals and seven assists this campaign um, but I mentioned it earlier Barnsley don't have much to play for the can of in limbo at the minute um, so like I said they, they, they're going to want to beat us because obviously getting one over on your rivals is fantastic especially after like you mentioned Jake after we took Sam Winnell off them in, in the transfer window I don't think they've quite recovered since him and Conor Hurian have left the club uh, I mean on paper Wednesday should win uh, we've definitely got the talent and like I mentioned we've, we're having a lot of our better or so-called better players returning for this fixture, I believe. Um, so my prediction, it's going to be very tight. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Um, first goal is going to be absolutely crucial. Uh, but like I mentioned, it'll probably be a low-scoring game anyway. So if I was to predict a result, we just need to win, especially after the poor form that we've had recently um, it's, it's just it's just a vital game for us every single game is vital for us now to finish in that top six so I'm going to predict that Wednesday win 1-0 on the day uh, but like I say I think it's going to be very tight but we'll uh, I, th- I think we'll get the goal and, and, and grab the three points yeah, another thing that could could be sort of relevant come the weekend is that Norwich seem to be very persistent of trying to get Paul Heckingbottom in as their next manager. So if that did happen before the game, that would certainly add an extra edge. Although I I, I don't really think that he would leave Barnsley at this stage of the season. But you know, it's what it's one to keep a, keep an eye out for over the next week. But moving on to your game this weekend, Kevin Leeds have got a trip to face Reading, uh, as we talked about before. That another top six clash. How do you yeah. see this one going? Do you think that you can get the win? Um, yeah, it's, it's another televised game, so it's gonna, we're going to know what everybody else has done by the time we play Reading on the evening, so that might be a good thing, might be a bad thing, I don't know. But yeah, it, it'd be great to beat them, because obviously there's a bit of history between Yap Stam and uh, obviously Leeds United from his previous existence as Man United defender. He got a lot of stick at Ellen Road, didn't like it when he was getting uh, erect from the Leeds crowd. Um, wasn't very uh, complimentary towards Leeds either afterwards, even though we beat them 2-0 and they was bar- they were boring as probably the most boring team I've seen at Ellen Road this season but like you guys were saying earlier one team maybe slip who could slip out of it or could be Reading so I think we you know we might do other teams a favour by uh, sneaking a victory on um, Saturday especially with the history between us this season like I said there's not much love lost between us and Yapstam there's a lot of talk about him maybe moving to West Ham next season as well so there's a lot of press uh, talk about him in the back pages today about uh, um, I think one one headline is West Ham United so you know there's there's nobody likes rumours about the managers leaving at this stage of the season like Heckingbottom at Barnsley as well like, like you say he's been linked with Norwich so uh, hopefully um, that might disturb them a little bit as well next Saturday but yeah I, c- I could see, easily see Leeds sneaking a, an away victory because uh, we do pull off the odd uh, good away victory now and again and uh, Saturday could be another one yeah, and, and Newcastle, we've got a home game against Wigan Athletic, which on the on paper seems like quite an easy one, but we've not had a great home record. We've we've really struggled at St James Park for one reason or another. I, I think it's partly down to the expectation and the fans that aren't maybe as supportive as they should be. It's sort of it's quite difficult to play in front of 
play in front of the fans, especially if, if they don't take an early lead. Uh, it, the pressure can get to the players and it can lead to some sort of sluggish performances and, and misplaced passes. And, and once that starts, starts to get going and the groans start, it's so difficult to recover from that. So I'm hoping this weekend is a, is a, a positive atmosphere. Benitez keeps talking about how it's important that the fans get behind the players, especially for these last few matches of the season where we need to we need to sort of stick together and, and really pull 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 ourselves over the line and get into the Premier League again. So hopefully that atmosphere is going to be improved. Wigan are currently managerless. I don't think they've replaced um Joyce, Joyce yes. Yeah. yeah, Warren Joyce, yeah. I don't think he's been replaced. So there's going to be a caretaker manager in charge, but they are fighting for their lives. And I, they, they, although there's a big gap separating them from, from getting out of the relegation zone, they're going to have to start from somewhere. And, and we saw last season with Rotherham, they managed to climb out of it in quite a spectacular fashion. I don't think Wigan will do the same thing, but it's possible. And and, and a win at St. James Park would really kick that off. And, and it's not beyond the rounds of possibility. I mean, a lot of teams have come to, to Newcastle, especially those in the bottom half of the table, and really just pulled off a, a good game plan, just sat deep, let, let, let us beat ourselves, really. I think that's, that's been the problem at St. James Park. We've really beat ourselves in a lot of the games that we've lost. There's not been the other teams beating us, and we need to prevent that from happening this weekend. I would say that I, I, you know, I, I think that the atmosphere may be a little bit improved. We've had a two-week break. We've sort of recovered from the, the, those four few results. We got, we get a few players back, uh, and the players will be so focused on promotion. There's nothing else between now and the end of the season. There's no internationals or anything like that. Transfer windows. That's all gone. It's now. It's 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 the players have to go on to get that promotion. I think they will do that. I think it's going to be. It's it's not going to be a comfortable win. From what I've watched of Wigan this season, they're good at the back. They don't concede too many goals. But I think we're going to get the result. I wouldn't be surprised if Dwight Gale scored and, and sort of just just to heat up that that race to be the uh, the top scorer at the end of the season. I'd, I'd expect him to score this weekend. And I think we're going to come out with a win. I don't think it's going to be a pretty win. I think there's going to be a lot of moaning afterwards on social media about how we didn't play well. But at that stage, who really cares about that? It's just about getting those three points. And I think we will do that. But with that, we are now out of time for today. So if you guys want to tell people where they can reach you or anything you're involved in, now will be a good time. So my name's Louis Shackshaft. I represent Sheffield Wednesday on the podcast. You can catch me on Twitter if you tweet me anything or send me a message. My Twitter handle is just my name, at Louis Shackshaft. Um, I write for Shoot Football, obviously representing Sheffield Wednesday. I've got an article coming out in the week that you might be interested in. It's called uh, City Rivals, and that's five reasons why Sheffield Wednesday are a bigger club than Sheffield United. Uh, But like I say, if you want to get hold of me, just uh, send me a message. Yep, I'm Kevin Markey, editor of Leeds United Mad, Twitter handle Leeds United underscore Mad. Obviously, I contribute to Maiden Leeds TV. We've got a show called All Leeds Out We on Fridays at 7 o'clock on Sky Channel 117. Also on Radio Yorkshire, Sunday Night Lives uh, and um, during the week. Uh, also, uh, yeah, if you want to contact me about anything on Leeds United, please f- feel free to do so. Yeah, you could get my Twitter account at Jake Jack with two N's. I write for EPL Index and The Boot Room, so check both those websites out. Uh, And I just want to thank Kevin and Louis for both coming on today and we hope you guys keep listening.